Good morning. Welcome to Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. Jay's off yesterday, but they lost half a game. The Seattle Mariners win again. Kansas City Royals cannot do the Blue Jays many favors. So the Blue Jays will enter this weekend series against the Cincinnati Reds with just a half game lead for the final wild card spot. They've also struggled to catch the teams ahead of them. So if you're thinking about, well, yeah, maybe Seattle will get into the playoff mix, but it'll come at someone's expense, someone else's expense. Jays remain three games back of Houston, five and a half back of Tampa, seven and a half back of Baltimore in the division. There is good news coming, though. There's this series with Cincinnati, who have been very good and very fun, but have come down to earth a lot the last six weeks or so. There's a tough series with Baltimore next week, but one in which you can probably, you can make up some ground if you if you play particularly well. And then the Jays will hit their softest pocket of schedule. Easy competition doesn't matter if you're not playing good baseball. We know that. We've heard that a bunch this year. But it is the longest stretch of facing weak competition and particularly facing weak pitching staff. So there's some room to build up some momentum here and put a dent in these standings heading into September. There is also good news coming in the form of Bo Bichette, who had another rehab assignment yesterday with AAA Buffalo. He played six innings at shortstop. He hit a home run. He hit a single that was almost a home run. He hit a sack fly that was almost a home run. Uh, He looked pretty locked in four for five total over his two game rehab assignment with a whole bunch of RBI. He said after the game, he's anticipating rejoining the Jays today and playing tomorrow. So uh, keep an eye out for that. The Jays could also potentially get back Matt Chapman and Danny Jansen who are not on the IL, but have missed a couple games in a row. Kevin Kiermeyer, who is on the IL, but, last we heard was just about ready to return. Won't need a rehab assignment. Trevor Richards uh, on the way sometime soon as well. A lot of good news coming. Also good news. we got a very loaded show today in the second hour. We're going to talk to Ryan Spielborgs, who is on the Apple TV plus call of the game tonight. As a reminder, it is an Apple TV plus game. So no Sportsnet television broadcast. Ben Shulman and I'll have the game for you on the Sportsnet radio network. And a reminder, if you're watching Apple TV and you prefer to hear me and Ben Shulman, you can flip that option over as well and watch the game with Toronto radio overlaid. Uh, so in addition to Ryan Spielberg's, in the second hour, we'll have Ernie Clement of the Buffalo Bisons, who, uh, you know, responsible single-handedly for making sure Bo Bichette felt well enough to return to the Blue Jays by cashing him in from first base with a double the other day. Uh, we'll talk to Dan Schulman and special guest sometime between 1035 and 11 o'clock. We're not sure exactly when he'll make his way up here. Uh, he's the megastar. You do things on his time. L.A. Knight will join us. Uh, SmackDown is in Toronto tonight. You can always check SmackDown out on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now at 8 p.m. on Fridays, but it's also in town tonight, so L.A. Knight will join us in a little bit here. First, though, it's uh, another megastar. It's Ben Nicholson-Smith of Sportsnet down in Cincinnati. Ben, good morning. How are you? Wow, that's the uh, first and probably only time I've been introduced as a megastar, Blake. But good to be joining you and talking some Jays here. What do you think of uh, of LA Knight and Smith? You, you've got to be crushed to not be here for SmackDown tonight. Um, <laughs> you know, crushed isn't the word I would use. Um, but you know, I I think the wrestling world is probably lost on me a little bit. But send him my best. I will absolutely uh, do that. Someone who. You might not see tonight also, uh, but you're going to see tomorrow at the latest is Bo Bichette, uh, a very good rehab assignment over two days in Buffalo, despite the rain out and the schedule getting juggled a little bit. Uh, his comments yesterday after the game made it seem like he'll rejoin the team today, but won't play until Saturday. Was that your read on the way he phrased things as well? 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, the initial plan was that he was going to play a couple of days, have one day off to rest, and then play on Friday. Of course, rain delayed that by a day, and it certainly seems possible that the Jays will continue with that same cadence and give Bichette that day off today um, and uh, have him get back into the lineup tomorrow, back onto the roster um, tomorrow. So, uh, you know, after after the performance, and I, I heard you introduce the numbers there, you know, clearly his, his bat is, is ready, and there's no question about that. What a surprise. Boba Shett, too good for AAA, um, and uh, certainly proved that. But I think the, the desire might be just to get his legs, um, obviously, that of a breather before he gets back into the mix. When you look at the probable pitchers for this weekend as well, uh, Brandon Williamson is a left-handed pitcher on Saturday. Uh, could you see a scenario where Bo DH is that game since against the left-handed pitcher, it's more likely the Jays have a DH slot available versus on Sunday when there's a righty on the mound and you probably want both Brandon Bell and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the lineup or are we headed for, hey, if Bo's back, he's playing shortstop. I do think that there's a chance just for this weekend to DH him a game because as you know, they have an off day again on Monday and that would just allow Bo to ease in from the standpoint of those directional changes, those quick stops and starts, anything that puts pressure on a, on a player's knee. And so um, clearly, you know, we've seen they need his bat in the order. There's no question about that. They did not come close to being able to replace uh, him in the batting order, even though they made a trade with the express purpose of not having a total collapse at shortstop. They basically had a total collapse at shortstop when he wasn't there. So they need the bat in there um, as soon as it's reasonable to get to get Bichette's uh, bat in the lineup. But I, I think you could definitely, if he's playing two games, you could DH him one, play him shortstop one, have the off day Monday. And then at some point pretty soon, it'll be back to business as usual. Well, okay. So Ben, obviously, look, I'm going to ask you this question. It is very obvious that when you lose your best player, there is a big impact, especially when his replacements aren't playing particularly well. This is not a, a novel thing to point out, but Bobichet's return, and I'm thinking primarily on, on the hitting side because even while he's been out, you know, Paul DeYoung's defense at shortstop is solid. Um, when you look at the way this lineup flows, the way the top of this lineup looks, um, the way that they've had to juggle some things with a hey, George Springer down, you can't really move Vlad during the, this struggle stretch because, you know, you don't really have anyone to put up there. And then just, again, a, a stretch of not particularly effective offense the last couple of weeks. Um, how big is Bo's addition in, in obviously in general, but also in terms of, you know, how John Schneider can structure this thing and, and how things may flow at the top of the order. Yeah, I think it's just huge. Anytime that you're talking about, you know, really one of the best uh, in league, there's not really a lot of doubt about that. It's not a controversial statement. Um, Bichette's just a great hitter. And if you can add him to the top of your order, everything is going to go better. It's going to make life tougher on uh, opposing managers late in games, on on relievers, on starting pitchers. It makes everything easier to construct at the top of the order runs. And, and we had a piece by Nick Ashbourne up yesterday at sportsnet.ca. It's still up today. We didn't take it down. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a look at kind of the cost of, um, of what Bo Bichette's absence meant for the Blue Jays in the course of these last two and a half weeks. And, you know, even though it hasn't been a very long period of time, 
time, the estimate by Nick was that this probably cost the Blue Jays about one win. And that's substantial, right? Like you look at the standings and this is a ball club that is very, very close to the Seattle Mariners in the standings. Too close. They're just a half game separated by the Mariners. And so one game at this point in the season, it, when you're that close to your biggest rival, so to get Bo Bichette back, at that point, you can start gaining in the standings instead of kind of treading water, which it feels like the Blue Jays have been doing for about, you know, four and a half months. Yeah, it's a tough one. If you look at, you know, straight wins above replacement, you say, oh, Bo is a six-win player, then that's about a win a month. If he misses two weeks, maybe it's about half a win. But then suddenly the replacements are playing below replacement level. Uh, I don't think we need the uh, the math to, to highlight, but it's good that the math backs that up. So now from here, there are going to be some tough decisions for the Blue Jays to make. And as John Schneider has pointed out to us, Ben, um, this is, you know, the sign of being a good team is that you have tough roster decisions to make at time. Um, Bo Bichette will rejoin the team this weekend. We anticipate that Kevin Kiermaier will rejoin the team this weekend as well. So two guys are going to be on the outside looking in. And I know that some of our analysis, um, you know, us in general uh, has been, well, it's going to be temporary because rosters expand at some point soon, which is true, but that is also still two weeks away and two weeks is a long time. And the rosters only expand to let you add one more guy. So uh, someone is going to be on the outside looking in here. I think given the way playing time has been handed out over the last couple over the last week or so Davis Schneider can probably book himself a car service to Buffalo or flight to Buffalo. Um, do you have a, a lean or a read on what the other corresponding move might be? I, I know people might see Kevin Kiermaier back. So Nathan Lucas out, but when you look at the makeup of positional versatility on the bench and how guys have played and where, you know, who has what utility in what situation, I think maybe you could make a case to, to keep Lucas and Santiago Espinal gets a breather or something like that. Do you have a, a lean on what you think might happen there? And there could also be Trevor Richards returning mm -hmm. um, at some point very, very soon as well. So um, there will be some, some churn to this roster coming up. It's interesting, right? Like if Espinal was hitting better, then of course, like it's not a discussion, but he really hasn't. You know, we're talking about a player with an OPS under 600 now, um, four and a half months into the season. So he really has not hit enough to get himself that job security. So, you know, he's in that discussion, I think. But for Kiermaier, I do think it's Lucas who goes down. Um, for Bo Bichette, when he comes back, probably Davis Schneider. Um, but for either one of those guys, and this is where the addition of Paul DeYoung factors, right? Because before, you would never think about optioning Espinal because you needed someone there to play shortstop in case Bo Bichette tweaked his knee and you needed someone to, to take Young there. They don't necessarily need to have two backup shortstops. And so, you know, that's where Espinal um, probably has a little bit less job security than he did a few weeks ago. Um, I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do. Espinal's played a lot recently, but of course that's been at a time that Bo Bichette has been in. And I do think uh, Lucas Schneider, Espinal, those are the players whose grasp on the roster is less than, you know, perfectly firm. And I, I know some people say, well, why isn't Paul DeYoung in that conversation, given how he's hit? Uh, he is over the five-year service time cutoff to where he would have to uh, approve being sent down to the minors. And I don't think you're going to do that with a, a veteran player who you just acquired at the trade deadline, especially with roster expansion uh, just ahead where one of these guys 
could come back up. Uh, ben, you mentioned some of Santiago Espinal's struggles at the plate. His WRC plus on the season is down to 67. So that's, you know, that's low even for a, a high defense utility infielder type. And then on top of that, we're talking about small ish samples here, but he hasn't had the best of defensive seasons. And we saw that on, uh, on Wednesday, if I can remember my days correctly with the error, uh, kind of just a, a casual play and a double clutch and a throw that sailed from third base to first base helped build a, a big inning for the Phillies there. It's not the first time we've seen Espinal make kind of a, an uncharacteristic mistake in the in the field over the last couple of weeks do you think that plays a factor in too where hey we normally talk about Santiago Espinal as he's on the roster for defense and then whatever you get from him with the bat is a bonus um, but the defense hasn't quite been what you'd expect either absolutely yeah uh, of course I think it definitely plays in and you know to me his defense has taken a step back this year like it hasn't been as good I, I just I really don't think it's been to the level that it was when he first came up to the major leagues. So you pair that with his offensive production. This is this is you know this is a bench player. This is not someone that you're going to play um, when your regulars are healthy and good to go. And ideally, you've got a bench that's stocked with guys who can really give you something that's you know some plus skill, right? Whether it's defense, speed, or the ability to get on base, the way Kevin Biggio has been showing lately. You want your bench players to have something that they can really hold up and say, this is why I'm on the roster. And I just, I haven't seen that from Santiago Espinal this year. I don't think a lot of us have seen that from him. Um, it's been a frustrating season. We know there's more in there. I'm not saying that he can't bounce back in the future, but to this point in the season, he hasn't really demonstrated that. Even with the young, you know, for all of the struggles offensively, he's a capable defensive shortstop. Or with Schneider, you know, there is some ability to to run into one and hit one over the wall. So that's what you're looking for, in my opinion, from a, a player off of the bench. And so those are the decisions in terms of who stays on the roster. And again, one of those guys or, or someone will be back up when rosters expand two weeks from now. There's also going to be a playing time trickle down because you mentioned Santiago Espinal has been playing more. Paul DeYoung's been in at shortstop most days. Kevin Biggio's run with a bit of a short-term everyday role here. You're going to work Kevin Kiermaier back in. You're going to work Bo Bichette back in. Uh, Matt Chapman and Danny Jansen are presumably once again available and no longer dealing with their bumps and bruises. So I think we know what the starting nine look like most of the time, when you look at the bench makeup, there will be the second catcher who's not starting, Kevin Biggio, and then whichever of the players remains on the roster, probably Paul DeYoung and then one of Espinal or Nathan Lucas. Um, when it comes to who is going to be, who's going to get the short end in terms of playing time here, I, I guess the biggest question I have, Ben, is has Kevin Biggio done enough where instead of going back to being a pure bench piece that we saw him a play as for most of the season is has he played his way into well you're going to have to find days off for guys to keep Kevin Biggio in the mix here a little bit now some of that is going to be about keeping guys fresh for the stretch run anyway um, but I guess the the drawing a line for Biggio between you're a bench piece and you're the sort of to bore an NBA term 10th man yeah I think he's kind of the 10th man um, and that's a pretty good spot for him to be um you know, you look at his his career and, uh, you know, certainly there are times that he has played way less than that. So this is a, a pretty big increase in playing time. Just He's played in each of the Blue Jays' last five games. 
Um, that's a pretty solid run of playing time for a guy who is, I'm sure, gone stretches of five days, even this year where he's barely played at all. Um, so I, I think that you you don't necessarily want to say he's in there every single day because there could be guys that don't match up well against him, whether it's big, big velo like a Hunter Green coming up on Sunday, whether it's maybe a really tough lefty, um, you don't want Biggio in there, boom, you put someone else in, maybe that's a day to young starts, maybe that's a day um, that you you go double defense in the outfield with Kiermaier and Varsho. There are lots of ways to configure things. I think if you're facing like your standard regular righty, um, Kevin Biggio is a really good option right now, and it's not just the last couple of weeks, but you know, as you know, Blake, you look back for the last really four months for Biggio since the start of May, his OPS is right around 800 for that stretch of time. And really it's, you know, especially on a team that's struggling to score runs, you get a guy with an 800 OPS, like he can't really be turning your nose up at that. So I think he does need to find his way in there pretty often. Since the start of May, he has an OPS that is uh, significantly higher than that of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So uh, there you go. Um, Okay, so Ben, you mentioned that Trevor Richards could also potentially rejoin the team. He got a rehab inning in on uh, Wednesday, and it sounded like he was probably only headed to miss the minimum uh, anyway. So I think we know what Trevor Richards brings. We know that you know, hey, whoever of Jay Jackson and Bowden Francis is going to be the corresponding move. Those guys kind of make up two thirds of the the pseudo taxi squad with Nate Pearson uh, of guys who have been up and down with regularity. Um, but what do you think Trevor Richards role is in this reconfigured bullpen? Because we haven't really seen since they acquired Jordan Hicks and to a lesser extent, uh, a lesser extent, Yenesis Cabrera exactly how John Schneider might manage a a fully healthy bullpen here. Now he has Jordan Romano back. You'll add Trevor Richards in there. There are Trevor Richards had unquestionably pitched his way into higher leverage, but now that they have Romano back Hicks Swanson, Jimmy Garcia has pitched a a little better as the season's gone on Uh, Tim Mesa from the left side. Could you see Trevor Richards slotting back in as kind of the first guy out of the pen, maybe even multi-inning guy, or is he still in the mix for leverage for you? To me, I think it's sort of both in the sense of, you know, for you look at at Trevor Richards and the versatility that he brings. And part of that versatility is versatility of of role. It's not just that he can get righties out or lefties out, but I think it's also that he can pitch for you in the eighth inning or pitch in the fifth. And if the Blue Jays run into a situation this weekend, let's say Jose Barrios is just running up a huge pitch count. He's got runners on the corners, one out in the Thing, it's just time to take him out, then at that point, go to Trevor Richards. I mean, he can get you a big strikeout and, and he can bridge a gap. He can he can cover a couple innings for you. So, you know, they might want to ease him in a little bit before you go to that sort of situation after an absence on the injured list. And I'm not saying that that's the, the plan A, but to me, he probably does slot more in the fifth, sixth inning right now. And I don't think that, especially in this stretch where they have a ton of off days, right? They had the the off day Monday and then yesterday and then coming up again on Monday. That means that Jordan Romano is pretty rested. And the same can be said for Jordan Hicks and Tim Meza and, and their higher leverage guys. So seventh, eighth, ninth inning, you're pretty covered off. You're not that worried you know, and this can change in a couple of days, but for now, you're not that worried about trying to cover those big leverage moments. So for me, Richards definitely slots in five and six. 
Okay, so looking ahead a little bit, we'll see Chad Green at some point as well. He got one and a third innings in through 30 pitches in a rehab stint on Wednesday. His rehab clock has reset because of his time on the concussion IL. Uh, so the Jays can play cautious here, maybe get him into a back-to-back scenario, maybe even slow play this until uh, roster expansion if they really want. He has, in seven appearances uh, on his rehab assignment, thrown eight not shutout innings, but zero earned runs. It's been only uh, earned runs. He has not walked a batter, decent strikeout numbers, but his fastball velocity has been, even in his most recent outing, down about half a tick from where it was uh, when he, in 2022, before he underwent Tommy John surgery, where there were some red flags in the velocity, about a tick and a half from where it was when he was last, uh, you know, a super effective high leverage guy for the Yankees, where do you see Chad Green slotting in when he's healthy? The the minor league results and the track record are very, very clear. But is he going to have to be in a situation where he has to show it at the major league level in lower leverage before that sort of ramps up, just given where the actual stuff is? Yeah, yeah. I think almost without a doubt. I think, you know, just given the duration of his absence, um, it is going to be really tough to just throw him in there to the seventh or eighth inning of a two-run game. I think that would almost be unfair to a Blue Jays team that, again, really can't afford to mess around here, can't afford to lose too many games um, due to a guy who's still finding his feet maybe and finding his velocity a little bit. Um, now, that's not to say that Chad Green isn't ready to help this team. I, I think that he's really getting close to that point, and I won't be surprised if you know, maybe maybe it's when the Blue Jays come home a week from today that he's activated. I mean, that that would give him time to get a couple more outings in a AAA. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that you need to burn too many bullets or wait too long to bring him up because you do have a couple of guys with options that you can send down in Jackson and Francis, as you said. So I, I think that at some point pretty soon he could be up. And I think when he is up, I think you start him, you know, you're up 7-1 and there comes Chad Green or you're down 8-3 and it's time for Chad Green's Blue Jays debut. Like that to me is how you do it for a couple of outings. He's the kind of guy like, you know, I, I know it's a little more nuanced than I have like a win bullpen and a lose bullpen. And to me, Chad Green starts in kind of the lose bullpen where you're you're down three runs, you're, you're down five runs. Get him going in those situations. And then gradually, and it won't have to take that long, but within a couple outings, he could be a part of that win bullpen. All right, here's one for you, Ben, and this this news just came down. Um, so if the Jays really need reinforcements, uh, the Los Angeles Angels are calling up Nolan Shanuel, who they just drafted 11th overall a couple weeks ago. Uh, you ready to hotshot Arjun Namala all the way to uh, the majors if Bo Bichette needs an extra day off? That is wild, even for a 21-year-old who they put right to double A. Um, I know this is not Blue Jays related other than the Angels being around the periphery of the wild card race, but uh, your quick thought on, on that number 11 pick in the majors already i think it's so interesting Uh, like on the one hand i kind of like it because i i do think that major league teams sometimes are just so similar to each other in the way that they are interesting when some teams do things differently um i also think it reeks of desperation right (laughs) like you know this is this is a, a team that is trying to get something going they have fallen so far out of it they're just going for and, and this is and it's characteristic of the angels they've been very 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 aggressive when it comes to promoting prospects and they have i understand like the why they would be somewhat desperate in this situation but this is not the methodical player development type <laughs> of 
cadence that you see from teams like the Blue Jays or the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Guardians or the Rays. Well, maybe the Rays are a different story, but you know, you see a lot of these teams very, very methodical for good reason. And so I find it pretty fascinating, but this is a move you would never see the Toronto Blue Jays make. You would probably not see the Toronto Blue Jays rush the number 11 pick to the majors a couple weeks and fewer than 20 minor league games uh, up to the major leagues. I can't even remember the last time someone made it in the same season as a position player. We've seen it the odd time with the Brandon Finnegan's of the world, uh, you know, elevating really quickly to uh, to help a bullpen. Even Aaron Nola, who we just saw, was like in the majors like eight months after being drafted as a starter. Uh, but yeah, it's very, very rare. If we are looking at those wildcard standings, yes, it's desperation for the Angels. They're now two games under 500. They're seven back of the Blue Jays with so many teams to jump. Um, ben, when you look at the Mariners, the way they've played, and I know it was the Kansas City Royals this week, there is a degree of difficulty component to that. However, the Mariners now have a better run differential than the Blue Jays on the season. They are half a game back in the wild card, and the Jays no longer have the, you know, at some points when Seattle got close or other teams got close, the Jays could have looked at, well, maybe they'll jump someone else. But the Jays are further away from Houston and Tampa than they are from some of the teams chasing them. Just how worried do you think the Blue Jays should be about this Mariners team? Oh, yeah, they should be worried. I mean, you can't, I'm not saying that they should stay up at night, like get your rest and get ready for the next game. But, you know, it's, yeah, it's not productive for the for the actual Toronto Blue Jays to sit there worrying about Seattle. But I think that for those of us who are on the outside and looking at this, yeah, I mean, it's it's close, right? It's really close. And, you know, of course, the most likely scenario for the next 40 games for the Blue Jays has them going 22 and 18 or 23 and 17. They win 89 or 90 games and they get in and they're a wild card team in the playoffs. And that's not a bad outcome for the Jays, but man, it's just 40 games, right? So like what happens if the Blue Jays go 18 and 22 or, or 19 and 21? Then all of a sudden you really expose yourself to a lot of risk and the Mariners are good enough to capitalize on that opportunity in front of them. And what if the Mariners go 25 and 15? That's the other thing, because if the Mariners go 25 and 15, then they win 91 games. And all of a sudden it doesn't matter. If the, so, you know, this is where you should be kind of worried. And again, it you just have to win the game in front of you. It's not like you can sit there like sweating about what's happening in Seattle. But I do think that there is some real vulnerability that the Blue Jays have created or allowed because they have not gone on a kind of run that gives them some breathing room and gives them a little bit of separation. I think they should do what the 2015 Blue Jays did around this time of year and go thir- on a 31-9 and nine run over 40 games. How about that yeah. as an option? <laughs> It helps when you win every night. Like that's just word of advice to any major league team out there that's listening. Just try to win every single game. Uh, Another bit of news just coming down. If you were wondering when Tim Anderson and Jose Ramirez were actually going to get suspended, uh, Tim Anderson is finally going to serve his suspension now. Uh, So that's, uh, you know, not Jays relevant anymore, but uh, a funny delay there. Uh, Ben, so this weekend we're going to see Jose Barrios. We're going to see Chris Bassett. We're going to see Hyunjin Ryu. Uh, Before we officially turn the page in the second hour to look ahead to this Red Series, though, uh, Kevin Gosman's start the other day. Very uncharacteristic for him. Only six swing and miss total. Only two swing and miss with the splitter. Those are both his lowest marks in any outing as a Toronto Blue Jay, including injury-shortened ones. Uh, Is there any concern level for you at all that Kevin Gosman, almost for the first time as a Blue Jay, just didn't have the splitter that day? Well, um, not really. Uh, Just because 
I think every player, every pitcher has to be entitled to have a few off days in the course of a season. Now, I think it's worth noting, and I think if this happens again, then it does start to be a little bit more concerning. But as a one-of, I'm not overly worried about it. And I think, too, you know, we've talked about the off days a couple times, but this probably is a good time for, you know, especially a Gosman who's taken on a ton of innings. The same can be said for Bassett and Barrios just to have a little bit of a breather. And so those two off days create that much more separation. It means he'll definitely be going on, I guess it'll be six days rest when he pitches next. And that's a good thing because, um, you know, all pitchers uh, are pretty worn out and position players too. We're getting to the point in the season where these guys have really been going pretty hard since, you know, February when they report to spring training. That's a long time to be pushing their bodies. And so I do think it's a good time for the Jays to have a couple off days Give Gosman just a little bit more rest. That's not the uh, the worst thing in the world. It's something the schedule is going to allow them to do the next little bit. Too many off days if you host a two-hour daily Blue Jays radio show, in my opinion, Monday, Thursday, and this coming Monday. Uh, but nice for the Blue Jays. And then they'll roll into uh, nine in a row before their next off day. And then rosters expand. So uh, no super long stretches where you're running with uh, a shortened roster or, or too many days in a row here. Uh, ben. Enjoy Cincinnati. What do you what do you have planned around uh, around the games? Well, not a ton. Um, Cincinnati actually seems pretty nice, though, from uh, my initial impressions of it. So, um, yeah, the ballpark. Um, looking forward to seeing that, and uh, might get a run in. Um, so, there's a. I think it's the Ohio River that's right here. So that might be the next step right here. Is uh, is Great American Ballpark one of the ones you haven't hit yet? I have not hit it, oh. so I'm intrigued to see what it's um, what it has to offer here. How close are you getting to 30? Oh, I've still got like a the, you know it's kind of a moving target too because like new parks, I, yeah, like Atlanta. I went to the old one, Texas. I went to the old one. Um, so I, I, in the oh, we lost Ben Nicholson Smith. So uh, we were gonna head to a break anyway, but now the number of stadiums that Ben Nichols and Smith has been to is just a mystery up in the air. Now uh, he just got, I don't know, zapped to uh, another league or another ballpark. Uh, it sounds like, so we will uh, continue to set up this series. Uh, we will find out from Ben how many ballparks he's been to. Uh, I'm at 24, but I have to recount because some of them have uh, re built or built new ones. So I don't think they count anymore. As Ben was saying, we'll, we'll figure that out. We will also continue to tee up, this series with the Reds. Uh, their reports are that it's going to be Brett Kennedy starting tonight. Uh, a couple people on the Reds beat noting that late yesterday, even though it's still officially a TBD on the game notes and on the Reds site, he will face Jose Barrios. Saturday, we'll get Chris Bassett against Brandon Williamson. Sunday, Hyunjin Ryu against the returning flamethrower Hunter Green. We will have Ryan Spielborg's Ernie Clement and Dan Schulman in the second hour, but we're going to take a break right now. And sometime after that break, we will be joined by L.A. Knight, WWE Superstar SmackDown in Toronto tonight. L.A. Knight joins us as Jay's Talk Plus continues on the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. In a couple minutes here, we'll be joined 
by WWE superstar LA Knight. Uh, SmackDown is at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. Tonight, what you're going to want to do is have the Blue Jays game on the Sportsnet Radio Network or the MLB app or the Sportsnet app on your phone going. Have your headphones in. Game starts at 640, so you can get most of the game in. And then when LA Knight comes out and cuts a promo, then you, you can pop your headphones out for that little bit of SmackDown. And then you can pop me and Ben Shulman back in your ears for the rest of the ball game. And if you're not going down, uh, you can always catch WWE Friday Night SmackDown on Fridays on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. If you are looking way ahead, you can also take a look at WrestleMania 40 tickets, which are on sale now. You can go to Ticketmaster.com for more details. Um, so LA Night in a couple minutes. Let's take a look at the starters for the Reds in this series as we continue to tee this one up. So uh, not officially confirmed by the team yet, but a couple of beat writers saying that Brett Kennedy is going to get the start tonight in the series opener. He is a 29-year-old kind of journeyman uh, minor leaguer. He did have a cup of coffee with the Padres in the major leagues back in 2018. Uh, this year, he's made a pair of appearances for Cincinnati. Uh, one start, one relief appearance. ERA at 514. He was kind of just the guy at AAA. Not big strikeout numbers, but reasonable walk numbers. Uh, not a ton of home runs. Um, so probably not the type of guy that you're worried about stepping in here and blowing the Blue Jays away. But guess what kind of guy has sometimes frustrated the Blue Jays offense? Uh, that kind of guy. Now, um, he is kind of atypical to the type of lesser known righties that have given the Blue Jays trouble this year in that, yes, he only throws 93, um, but it is not one of those high spin up in the zone fastballs that the Blue Jays have tended to struggle with. Um, he gets okay extension down the mound, but he's only six feet tall and, and it's not a lead extension. So if you're looking at, you know, another one of those types that have given the Jays trouble, the big guys who get long down the mound and help those fastballs play up, uh, he is not that type either. So the fastball hitters on the Blue Jays, might be locked in here, even though he's had some success with the fastball uh, so far this year at the major league level, it's a pretty small sample. And I bet on that being uh, more noise than something just super tricky about his not high spin 93 mile an hour uh, fastball that he kind of just sprays around the zone. He also has a, a change up that has been hit pretty hard. Uh, it was his best pitch last time he got a look in the major leagues, but that was again, five years ago and a small sample then as well. He'll also mix in a sinker and a slider tomorrow. The blue Jays are going to see a young lefty, a rookie in Brandon Williamson. Um, so the one lefty in this series, it's probably the different lineup you'll see from the Blue Jays in this one. Uh, if Bobochet's not activated until Saturday, that second roster move isn't made until Saturday. It'll probably be a very different lineup for Saturday's 6.40 p.m. game than it was Friday. Brendan Williamson has decent results on the air. He's got a 4.33 RA, perfectly reasonable for a rookie. If you look under the hood at some of the stuff, so this, there are warning signs everywhere other than the fact that he can break off a curveball with good spin uh, he is someone who has not done a great job limiting walks he doesn't generate a lot of chase he doesn't generate a lot of swing and miss the contact off of him has been pretty hard as well so um, we have a stat from Statcast that takes into account walks strikeouts and quality of contact and puts them all together for an expected era uh, his expected era would be up around 514 
Now, he's obviously having some success for a reason. Those numbers can't capture everything. And in addition to that curveball that has a ton of spin, he has a nasty changeup. So uh, batters are swinging and missing 45% of the time when they offer at that changeup. He doesn't throw it a ton, I would say, based on the results. He should probably throw it even more. He doesn't throw it against lefties. We don't see a ton of you know lefty-lefty or righty-righty changeups generally. I'd say maybe it's worth a try given how great the results are on his changeup versus his other pitches. Uh, he'll pepper it in there against righties, but still his number three pitch after a fastball and a cutter. He'll also mix in a sweeper with that curveball. So in addition to having a couple different fastballs, having an off-speed pitch, he has a couple different breaking ball offerings at different velocity and break uh, levels. So uh, there is a lot to guess on with him. He's a guy who I could absolutely see the Jays struggling with him a little bit first time through the order, and, and then you figure some stuff out, and second time through, you have a little bit more uh, success. Now, on Sunday, it's the highlight item. It is Hunter Green. He is expected to be activated off of the IL to start Sunday's game. The Blue Jays saw him once last year, and Hunter Green was very, very good in that game, uh, with the exception of Bobachet jumping on a couple of early sliders and taking him for a ride. Now that was when Hunter Green was fairly fresh and new to the majors. That was back in May of his rookie year. Uh, Jays won that one three to one. Green went six innings, giving up only one run, just the home run uh, to Bobachet. Bobachet would also homer later in that game off Luis Sesa. Uh, so maybe he has something uh, against the Reds here. But Hunter Green, the headline item of this weekend's pitching matchups, 99 miles an hour on the fastball on average. He's, so this is a starter that throws a fastball 56% of the time, and it comes in at 98-99 with regularity. There are just not starters in baseball who throw with that velocity and that consistency. That is a reliever profile. That's not a starter profile. As you might expect, huge swing and miss rates, huge strikeout rate. Um, there's also some good spin on that fastball. And he's a taller guy. So if you're looking at the boxes of types of fastballs that have given the Blue Jays fits, uh, Hunter Green checks a lot of them. And then his location with that fastball for a young player has been pretty pristine uh, up in the zone. We'll continue to tee up that series over the course of this show. But right now, a very special guest, the megastar himself. It's LA Knight. Welcome to Toronto. How are you this Just morning? walking right in the door like... Who cares? It's my show now. Just walking in. Here we are. I just got in the building. They walked me right in here, and I'm taking over the mic. What are we doing here? Uh, this is a Blue Jay show, but we're going to talk WWE. We're going to talk, talk Jays. I don't even belong here. I got to go. You got to go. You did throw the first pitch out at the Mets game I the did. other week. How was that? Uh, it, was a, it was a beautiful strike. Uh, actually, maybe a little high, but uh, but it was pretty solid. You would have got swing and miss it. If there's a batter in there, they're going to bite on that high That's fastball, That's the favorite right? pitch of it. When I was playing baseball, favorite pitch was always right about eye level. You know, it's just so natural to want to swing at that. Uh, are you – I know you spend time in Cincinnati. Are you a Reds fan? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, that's good because the Jays are playing the no. Reds this weekend. So that's, that's the, the hometown answer. No, I, I, uh, I spent six years, unfortunately, in Cincinnati. No offense, Cincinnati. <laughs> Uh, just not my favorite place ever. Uh, originally from Maryland, made my way to LA, loved it out there. Spent a good 10 years out there. A little bit of a Dodgers fan, but really my roots are in Baltimore with, uh, the Orioles. Oh, that's a good timing for yeah. you right now. Then. Uh, then, uh, well, finally they're actually doing well. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they bottomed out for, uh, for a lot. They oh. paid the freight on it, but that's what right. you got to do sometimes. Um, so on the hitting side, you threw out the first pitch on the hitting side. I, I know 
you're not the biggest fan of the Miz. He's the all. You never hear him shut up about. He's the All Star Game celebrity MVP. You can oh, yeah. hit the mid the Miz too, right? What actually hitting the ball? Yeah. Oh sure, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was actually one of one of the one of the biggest things when we got to the Mets. I, I was like, okay, they talked about batting practice. I was like, do I get to take batting practice? But. No, I didn't. That would have uh, been nice. Okay, so you, I, I know you are a bit of a sports guy in addition yeah. to, to WWE football, uh, basketball, a mm-hmm. little bit of baseball. Yep. When you pay attention to sports, do you find yourself kind of drawn into guys who've had similar paths to yours where, you know, maybe the the journeyman type who breaks through a little bit later? We, we just honored Jose Batista sure. here in Toronto last weekend, a guy who didn't really break out until, you know, had to get a couple cracks at it. People slept on him. Then 27, 28, he breaks out as this big star. Do you find yourself drawn to that type of guy? Well, sure. I mean, I, I guess I can appreciate the hustle in that re- in that regard. But uh, beyond that, for me, it's always just like I, I always like big personalities. Uh, <laughs> Jose that, Batista had that too, uh, so. right? So, so, so that's always a big draw in a lot of ways. I mean, even if you go back to you know, you're looking at like a Muhammad Ali in boxing or something like that. Just when guys can come and bring that big talk and the personality, and then they go back it up. And or anything like that. Uh, so for anyone who doesn't know, your your story, it took you a bit to get to this point with WWE back in, I think it was, what, 2006? You made your Sunday Night Heat debut. That's right. And uh, and then through NXT once, through TNA, through NWA, yeah. and, and now here you are. Uh, when you look back... I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere. Yeah, uh, some big some big uh, candidates when you were part of TNA as yeah. well as Eli Drake. I've, I've been up here through, uh, through Toronto a bunch. Um. That Eli Drake character that you played in TNA, I was actually, I was going through some old tweets the other day of mine and some friends when we were watching TNA at the time. Yeah. How much of that character informed what you're doing now with LA Knight? It's exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because because they're, 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 it's just me <laughs> with the volume way up. So uh, there's really nothing different. I always find it funny when people are like, oh, wait, that's the same guy. I'm like, how do you, how'd you not know? <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, there, there's really nothing's dr- nothing's different just the names change yeah uh, we don't have the dummy button though is all we, we... Uh, you know i mean uh, that was that was 2016 i left it in the past will it make an appearance at some point you never know never say never but i don't know um so you look at where you are right now and obviously the work that you've put in over the years the path you've gone always is... stay ready yeah, big time. Um, that is starting to bleed into the on-screen story now, though, as well. You you have this, um, you know, battle with the Miz the other week, and you're talking about how, yeah, you've been slept on, and people didn't give you the chances that maybe a guy like the Miz got. Sure. Um, how much is your real life path allowed to bleed in the character right now, and what's that been like for you? Uh, in all honesty, I mean, it, it as much as anybody brings it up, really, because. Uh, a lot of guys are going to look at that as a weak point. I look at it as a strong point because all this time I haven't been pandered to. All this time I've had to go out and, and you know, some people have said I'm bulletproof at this point with all the things that I've been through and all the things that have happened. And, and I wasn't bulletproof because somebody gave me that shielding. I wasn't protected. Nobody's ever protected me. So a lot of these guys have been protected and they're used to that shield. But here it is, me, I had to go out and scrape up the bits and get every little piece I could to make myself that bit of protection. Um, so if anybody wants to bring that up and, and, you know, throw that as some sort of weak point at me, I'll welcome it because it's one of the strongest things I got going for me. Well, what, what's the worst that could happen to you at this point, right? What right. are they, what are they going to do? Say, Hey, you're going to fire me. Yeah. yeah. Go to NWA power, go, go to TNA impact. <laughs> You've been there and fire your way back. So yeah. what's so, the worst? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I've, 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 uh, I've ridden the road. It's been a, a rocky one. 
Uh, and at this point, uh, it's 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 still rocky in a way. It's just that I'm finding a way to get to a whole other level. So not a lot's changed with the character and the personality, and it's been the the grind this whole time. What do you think has clicked this last little bit? I, I know in NXT, in, in TNA, you were getting big reactions, yeah. and we got little glimpses of this, but this is on a completely, like you have the top three selling shirts in the WWE shop sure. right now. What do you think has helped you connect with the crowd so much this last little while? I think just being in front of a, in front of a larger audience and getting to do my thing and just knowing that, Man, for years when I was in all the other companies you're talking about, I was always working as though everybody who watches this show and everybody who's involved with the show could see me, even though I knew they couldn't and they wouldn't because the audiences were a fraction of what There's we people got like here. me watching. This. Yeah, and and thank you. Uh, but at the same time, I'm sitting there just thinking, man, if there's any chance that these people have their eye on it, I, I, I'm going to keep doing this. And for me, it's just now continue doing what I was doing. Of course, evolve in little bits and little ways that I need to. But at the same time, now you're in front of the largest audience that there is in the business that we're in. And with that being the case, I just think that there's more of a uh, there's more of an ability to kind of maybe maybe and yeah, I'm going to use the word infect, so to speak. <laughs> uh, I, I've been able to uh, you know kind of grow on the people like a fungus. And and like you said, I, it, there were times in in Impact where it was just like there was kind of a fever pitch growing, and for whatever reason, it would get cut out. Uh, and, and even in NXT then, uh, a couple years ago, man, right around this time, it started to get real hot. We go into war games, real, real hot. And then uh, going into like early 2022, super, super hot. But the problem is, you know, you're, you're in a room of uh, probably like 500 people or something like that, which is I, I, I'm used to and love those intimate audiences. But at the same time, you can't really get a real um, barometer for what's happening. You can you can understand what's happening in that room, but when you have kind of, I guess, a limited audience as far as television and whatnot, it's not quite the same as once you get on this stage, SmackDown, Raw, all that, and now it's these big arenas, plus it's the millions of fans who are watching on the TV, and then you got social media and all this stuff. Now you can really, they like to call it a movement. I call it a revolution. <laughs> uh, and, and it's a one-man revolution at this point. So uh, everybody's jumping on the gravy train, and... Uh, we're going to ride that thing to the top. Yeah, and ride it to Scotiabank uh, Arena tonight. Smackdowns yeah. here in Toronto. Don't you miss Smackdown. Yeah, if you want to be one of the millions watching Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet now, 8 p.m. Uh, every Friday on Smackdown. So you well, are actually, I'll tell you what, while you're plugging that, yeah. why don't we go ahead and mention that today, as we're speaking right now, WrestleMania 40 tickets are on sale. Go get them. Don't you miss it. Ticketmaster.com for more correct, details there. And get in early on the L.A. Night WrestleMania moment. That's that we're right. Sure I mean, hey, man. You never know. I mean, it's got to happen. How does it not happen at this point? Yeah, it's just a matter of getting there at this point. We're, right. we're talking almost a year away still. Uh, man, you ain't lying. Yeah. Uh, so you have gotten to work with some pretty cool people since you got to WWE. I know you had the the angle that involved Ted DiBiase, which oh, yeah. must have been cool as a, as a longtime wrestling fan, The Miz now. But I got to ask, the... Working with Bray Wyatt and the whole Uncle Howdy thing, how, how was how was that? How fascinating a guy is Bray Wyatt to, to work with? Well, I mean, look, you, you, you look at that situation and it's all the spooky kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> Halloween, the mystery kind of stuff. And, and it's not really up my alley. So I'm kind of looking at this like, what am I going to do with this? But at the same time, it's like, man, this is a challenge because how do I make this work with what I do? And I think... Uh, I think I found a way. 
uh, because <laughs> I, I, I can't really say what it was other than just, hey, man, I'm going to go out and continue doing me. I'm going to continue being me. And, and, and that's what I did. And it was, uh, you know, whether I got 30 seconds or I got 30 minutes, uh, I just made sure to go out there and make every single second count. Uh, okay, I got a couple quick random ones for you. I don't uh, have time for it. You made a cameo on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah. Not a not a speaking role, but a, hey, here it, it was something like, hey, it, yesterday was chest and leg day. Today is heart and soul day. Getting married. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that? What was that experience like? I, I know you've dabbled with the acting stuff just a little bit. So yeah, I mean, a, a lot of those acting parts were me just trying to figure. Well, hell, if if this wrestling thing didn't go, maybe there's a chance I can do this, or or even well, maybe I can at least get a little bit of extra money here and there whenever these parts happen. With that. Uh, they were looking for uh, like a bodybuilder type, and I was like, "Well, I don't, I don't know if I fit bodybuilder." Like, I'm thinking they're looking for a big, crazy looking, you know, jacked bodybuilder. And like, yeah, I'm, they want uh, Brian Cage or something like that. Something, your old tag team I, partner. I, I mean, something like that. But, um, and lo and behold, they ended up calling me back, and they were like, "All right, your 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 name's Mario, and you're getting married, whatever." And I'm thinking, "All right, well, I, my name's Mario. The the names on my trailer. I'm Mario. I'm like, oh wow, this is a big deal." And then I get there, like, there's no lines, though. I'm like, oh, wow, that's a letdown. And then I'm like, but this is still cool. So I'm standing there, and they're filming everything, and we're getting, like, good facial reactions and everything. And then it finally comes out, and I see it, and it's like, if you blink, you miss me. Uh, but still, an awesome, awesome experience. Uh, Terry Crews was really cool. Uh, we're just riding around in the golf cart, getting to the set, you know, uh, just cracking jokes and stuff. And But it was really cool but i mean now all these things are popping up all the different commercials slim YouTube jim videos and all that well now yeah slim jim that's a whole new deal so uh about to take over that thing uh the bodybuilding side of things is that one of the biggest challenges of being on the road so much is just finding the time and sticking to a routine with the gym stuff yes and no i mean uh i've i've made it work uh you just kind of sometimes you got to prioritize sleep uh <laughs> if i'm not able to get sleep sometimes you got to do that instead of go to the gym um, but, uh, it, it hasn't really, if I get in at a decent time, which I didn't today, but if I get in at a decent time, I can usually find 90 minutes to go and crank it out, uh, before I need to get to the arena. All right. We got SmackDown tonight, Scotiabank Arena. We know it's Edge against Sheamus. There right. is some speculation that Edge poured fuel on the fire for, uh, on our network yesterday too, mm. about, you know, who knows, maybe it's the, the last match of the last uh, match just for a little bit here. What do you got going on tonight? What are you looking forward to about SmackDown? Man, you never know. Uh, and that's one of the most dangerous spots to be in because you never know where I might pop up. I don't know where I might pop up. Uh, yeah, I mean, nobody's, nobody's given me an inkling of what I'm doing, where I'm going to be. So, uh, you just know there's probably a live mic. Sometimes you got to squeeze yourself in there and, uh, just do what you do. Yeah. Well, it's, it's working lately and that's why they're having you as the guy to do all this stuff with me. Uh, again, catch WWE Friday night Smackdown tonight at Scotiabank arena or at 8 PM on sportsnet 360 and sportsnet now, uh, plus WrestleMania 40 tickets now on sale ticketmaster.com for more. LA night. Thanks so much for taking the time out this morning. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And everybody out there, whose game is it? You already know. LA night. Yeah. That's, that's right. Uh, we'll be back after a break. Jay's Talk Plus continues. We'll talk to Ryan Spielborgs, Ernie Clement, Dan Schulman in the second hour on Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The JD Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back to Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. That is the earworm walk-up music of Ryan Spielborg's back when he was a member of the Colorado Rockies. He is now a member of AT&T Sportsnet Rockies, Loud Outs with CJ Nikowski, and the Apple TV Plus broadcast. He's going to join us in a couple minutes here to help us tee up tonight's game, which, as a reminder, is an Apple TV Plus exclusive game. So uh, you have to have Apple TV Plus to watch that one. If you don't, you can listen to it on the Sportsnet Radio Network. It'll be myself and Ben Shulman on the call. And if you do have Apple TV Plus and you still want to hear myself and Ben Shulman, little known thing, there's a there's a whole little option there. You can switch it over, um, but you're probably going to want to hear from Ryan Spielborgs as well. Uh, this pitching matchup tonight expected to be Jose Brios against Brett Kennedy. The Reds have not fully confirmed that it's Brett Kennedy, but... That is uh, the expectation. The thing to watch out for with this Reds team, if you're the Blue Jays, obviously, is whoever's behind the plate, get ready to come up throwing because this Reds team, three quarters of the way in the season, has already stolen more bases than any team has stolen over a full season since 2016. Again, this is Apple TV Plus game tonight. So if you're watching, you'll hear our next guest, Ryan Spielborgs, former Colorado Rocky, member of AT&T Sportsnet Rockies, loud outs with CJ Nikowski. Uh, Ryan, how are you this morning? I'm doing good, Blake. How are you? Yeah, we, uh, it sounds like I do a lot of things. feels like I do a lot of things. Me too, buddy. Me too, man. So you've got uh, – this is your first year doing the, the Apple TV games. Uh, you've been in the role, a couple different roles with the, the Rockies broadcast over the last couple of years. How are you finding the, the Apple TV Fridays so far? I, I love it. We've also found out what's kind of cool for, for Toronto fans. I get it. Like, you know, Apple TV Plus is behind the paywall. Uh, you know, it's not always enjoyable for, for fans sometimes, you know, cause they're, they're, you know, they're streaming here. They have to watch a game there. Uh, and then they have to go find a, a different platform. And, and so, you know, I, I understand some of the criticisms, but I also know that from, from fans that go and watch it, um, especially the games, like the picture quality is really cool. Our graphic package is, is really kind of second to none, but then, uh, you know, we've heard from, from our, you know, from our bosses and stuff, nobody watches baseball, um, more than Toronto Blue Jays fans. And, and it's kind of cool to hear that because, you know, I, I, I think from afar, you know, I'm in Colorado. So um, already I feel like I'm neglected in our own time zone, especially mm-hmm. when I start going to East Coast and, and I see baseball. And I like I'm constantly watching baseball. I'm, you know, do a national show on, on Sirius XM that covers Major League Baseball uh, across the country. But this time, you know, because I, I always travel – uh, with the Rockies, but I'm limited to what teams I see. Now with Apple, I get to see teams that I don't normally travel to and, and times that, you know, I get to go watch. Like I've been to Toronto twice already this year. I've been to Baltimore multiple times. I've seen uh, a lot of the teams in the American League East that I, I wouldn't normally get to have my eyes on. And and to me, it's, it's broadened how I view the game. It, it also helps me understand what I like about teams, what I don't like about teams that I can be critical in a way that's not personal. Um, it's just giving you a pretty unbiased view of baseball because I, I'm literally walking amongst every single clubhouse that you can imagine beyond just being, you know, able to go see the visiting team that the Rockies are playing. Yeah. And I think that's an important perspective, right? We're in at 162 days and I'm down at the Rogers center 81 times. And someone who is in 30 different clubhouses and covering 30 different teams, um, you know, that level of zoom out also, of course, the fact that you bring uh, a former player's perspective to things. Uh, A thing I I personally like about the Apple TV plus broadcast as well is, um, you know, I I tend to lean more toward the, the data and analytics side and it's not a full like data 
a nerd cast or anything like that, but you guys are, are pretty friendly with that stuff, integrating those into the broadcast. Uh, I don't think you needed to do this to yourself, but I saw you tweeted the other day. You were also looking at the old win probability added for, for one of your worst <laughs> games. Um, how have you found in your transition from player to broadcast, um, how have you found you know, your own change in terms of how you appreciate or, or utilize analytics and different information we have available to us now? Yeah, I think it's, I think first off, baseball is a better story. If you understand some of the numbers behind it, like we, for example, like Devon White, Toronto Blue Jay in the, in the nineties was like my favorite center fielder, like favorite center fielder. He did everything so smooth. And, and like, I know my eyes told me that was a great center fielder with today's analytics and outs above average and, you know, jumps and reaction time, we'd be able to quantify just how good Devon White is. And so like, that's the part where your eyes are telling you like, man, this guy's a really good player. Uh, I like watching this guy play. So, but what is he doing that nobody else is doing? Like, so for example, tonight, Ellie De La Cruz with Cincinnati, this is the fastest guy in baseball and you're going to watch him hit the ball as hard as anybody throws the ball as hard as anybody. And then, you understand like you're watching a, a unicorn at shortstop uh, or at third base, wherever they put him tonight. And, and there's like undeniable evidence that this guy is, is a freak athlete and what he's doing on the field is remarkable. So I, I love being able to present that in a way that's easy to digest. It's, it's simple. It makes sense. And then it's, it's backed by like actual statistical evidence, which you can't, you can't deny numbers. I tell that all the time is it, like, the numbers are the numbers. Like this year, the Toronto Blue Jays not good with runners in scoring mm. position, and it would be a historical number if they get into the postseason because there's only been four teams in the last like 20 years to have gotten to the postseason with OPS and, and batting average with runners in scoring position as low as Toronto. So that's not that's not like a personal like <laughs> like <laughs> I, you know, I don't like Toronto. I'm going to talk trash about them. No, these are these are tangible, real stats over a larger sample size than just 10 at bats uh, that is showing like there's an actual problem here. And if Toronto, you know, gets to the postseason, which I do believe they're going to, uh, they have, they have an issue that needs to be addressed. And it's one that uh, so far three quarters of the way into the season, you know, I, and look, I know a lot of the data stuff says, Hey, you chop things into smaller samples. You get these micro splits. They're going to be some noise. They're going to balance out eventually, but we're 120 games in and we're, uh, we're real close to the finish line and it remains a problem uh, without an obvious solution. Um, Ryan, you, you've been obviously in clubhouses on teams when it's something like that, when it's the, you know, there's a persistent inability to execute with runners in scoring position or whatever it is. It, it could be any specific thing. Um, it, like, obviously, the team is aware of that. Is there a way to try to attack that problem as a group? Or is it kind of just you got to put your head down and hope for the numbers to, you know, balance out the way we think they would over, you know, 10,000 games or whatever? Uh, I mean, it's a really good question. I've been in some clubhouses that we struggled with runners in scoring position with good lineups. And then there's times where you, you, you might not have the best lineup in the world, but they, we somehow would come through one of the, I mean, confidence is, is such a important part of baseball, but it's so hard to say like, just be confident and you're a good <laughs> player. It's like, it doesn't work that way. Um, I, I would, I would kind of, like from my experiences, the best lineups that I was ever a part of that that hit with runners in scoring position was a was a lineup that didn't care who got the credit. 
And and it sounds like a, a really kind of like trite and, and almost, you know, like that seems too simple, but it's not. Um, not not swinging the pitches outside of the strike zone, not chasing, taking a walk, uh, realizing that if you struck out, it's okay. The guy behind you is, is still really good. Um, there's an overall level of confidence in the entire lineup that there's no, there's no, there's like no actual feel of pressing. Like you're never pressing. And, and so I don't know if, if that's the case with Toronto. I know you've had a couple guys, you know, like a Dalton Varsho and a, and a Brandon belt that, that has joined this, this lineup. And then, I don't know if Vlad Guerrero is is you know pressing because he's trying to get back to 2021. I'm not I, I'm not in his mind. I can't tell you that. Um, but I, I will say from those experiences, you know, getting that lineup to trust in one another, top to bottom, and realize that it's a it's a long lineup and that you know a pitcher is going to really struggle time after time after time because of the quality of the bats. And that's when you'll start to notice that the the those batting average with runners in scoring position will start to jump up. And so will the on-base percentage because that's that's truly what's at stake here. Um, going back to the numbers on, you know, why is it so historically low? Just to give you the, the example, like OPS versus batting average is a much better indicator of hitting. So 698 is the is the OPS with runners in scoring position. That's the fifth lowest in Major League Baseball, and that would be one of the lowest in the Wild Card era um, if if the Blue Jays get to the postseason. Yeah, I uh, I have used that stat on this show as well. It's uh it's a tough way to go. There are only a handful of uh handful of teams who have snuck into the playoffs hitting that poorly with runners in scoring position. Uh, Ryan, one of the teams that you were on that executed well in those situations, especially for a couple weeks of the season, was those Rocktober Rockies from uh, 2007. As we get toward this time of year, the playoff push. Um, how much how much fun is it to to look back on those years? And I, I'm curious. You mentioned now that you were a, a big Devon White fan. Did you? You also kind of when when Tulo ended up on the Blue Jays, were you also kind of like back of your head, like, hey, you know what, the Jays, I, I could get behind these guys. Uh, well, I have my cousins are from Canada, so I have oh. I have I have several of my Canadian cousins. Uh, they're big Blue Jay fans, and and when Tulo got traded from the Rockies to the Blue Jays, um, my my Spielborgs clan in Vancouver, they all had Tulo jerseys. So um, we've been big fans of Toronto since I since I've been a kid. You know, I, I grew up with the that that incredible run in the nineties. So I've, I've always had a soft spot for Toronto. I, I think this year um, I have Toronto as a postseason team. I actually picked them to get to the world series this year. And I, and I still stand by that. I think Baltimore is going to be their biggest challenge. Um, but I, I, I do, as I'm watching Toronto and, you know, again, like I said, from, from a production standpoint, from like a Apple TV standpoint, we know that, Blue Jay fans are are one of the best in Major League Baseball at watching their team and supporting their team. So, um, yeah, I mean it's it's easy to root for this group. It's easy to root for some of the front office like Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro. I've spent a lot of time with those guys. I've known um, Ross Atkins from his time in Cleveland. So because I played in that organization. So there's there's a lot of people that I know in that uh, in that clubhouse and in that organization that I, I just naturally will will always cheer for but um yeah the the last couple months of the season it doesn't really bring up my career anymore i'm i feel like i'm past that <laughs> even though there's gonna be times that i'll see you know like we're gonna have todd helton weekend at course field this weekend when i when i come back and um you know seeing todd is is still one of like my my favorite teammates and and the memories of 2007 are are really kind of strong and vivid but 
um, I'm past that now, you know, I'm, I'm, it's not my career anymore. And so I, I, I just revel in watching other players experience joy and, and watching fans experience um, a pretty exciting run to the finish. Uh, another Blue Jays connection I believe you have is you were teammates with Yusei Kikuchi in Japan for a little bit, were you not? Yes, Kikuchi-san. Yeah, that was my teammate. He was he was really young uh, the year that I was there. I was in 2013. It was also the first year that uh, Shohei Otani played. So uh, I got a chance to see Kikuchi-san uh, close. I was his teammate. when he, I mean, he was – and, like, to give you an idea of pressure that some of these players go through – uh, Kikuchi was was considered, or at least you know, was was the hopeful for Japan, you know, to be the the Japanese Clayton Kershaw, um, just because of of his age and his ability to spin the baseball. So there was, I mean, he had so much pressure. He basically had an organization just riding on his shoulders, and, and that's kind of Japanese baseball. You know, if you're a good pitcher, they they ride you, they ride you hard, and so and there's a lot. There's a lot going on him. So uh, I saw him at a young age, a little unfair from, from my vantage point. I was like, man, that's, that's a lot to put on a, on a kid that's 22 years old. Um, but that's what he dealt with. And, and I, I love seeing how well he's been pitching lately. So uh, I've known him for a long time. I'm always excited when I see him. Uh, it's crazy to see how much, you know, you grow over the, you know, it's been, I think that's been 10 years <laughs> since I've known him. So, uh, kind of cool. It is cool. It's again, yeah, easy. You, you have a very easy team to root for. Uh, Ryan, before I let you go here, um, in Windsor, Colorado, not Windsor, Canada here, I, I know you've helped kind of break ground on the future legends complex there. And that was a, a project that you're, you're very passionate about. Um, how is that going now, now that it's, uh, it's up and running and, and what does that mean to you to be able to be a part of kind of giving back to the Colorado community at a, at a grassroots level like that? Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that one up. Uh, yeah, not too many people know that I've been part of a, a really large development in northern Colorado for close to 10 years now. Uh, it's it's a, essentially it's a $200 million sports complex with hotels and retail. We we ended up getting um, – I have a minor league team. It used to be the uh, Orem Owls, that part of the Pioneer League, and now they're, they're the Windsor Owls, the NOCO Owls. And so we have independent baseball. We have uh, men's USL soccer. We have – uh, we have women's soccer. I mean, it's it's pretty cool to see it. And then most the most important part, and to be honest, like I never got into the development with any aspirations of like trying to you know be a developer or anything like that. That's not my <laughs> that's not my cards. I, I legitimately just want people to be outside and be healthy. And I and I usually say about sports, like sports doesn't see race or color, religion, or like it doesn't see anything. Just like hey, can you play second base or can you? Um, you know, can you go play this position? Just go play. Uh, we know with mental health, uh, you know, sports is a really good avenue for, for people to, you know, have success and failures together. So it's cool to be a part of something that is so embraced by a community. It's been painstakingly long. I wouldn't wish development on anybody. <laughs> I would tell them to run. Um, but when you get close to the finish line and you see, you know, watching people go to a to a game and seeing kids go out there and play, uh, and recognizing you know down the road the impact that we're going to have for future athletes and and people that are probably going to be firefighters and you know councilmen and whatever else educators hopefully a future baseball player who knows 
Um, but that's really cool to be a part of that. That sounds like a, a blast. It's great. You're able to give back like that, Ryan. Uh, looking forward to hearing you on the Apple TV Plus broadcast of Jay's Reds tonight. Thanks for taking the time out this morning. Have a good time tonight. Thanks, Mike. Ryan Spielborgs, Apple TV Plus, AT&T Sportsnet Rockies, and Loud Outs with CJ Nikowski on the SiriusXM radio network. Um, again, Apple TV Plus game tonight, so you won't be able to catch it on the Sportsnet television side uh you will be able to catch it on the sportsnet radio network though uh if you are so inclined it'll be ben shulman and myself on the call um you could also tune into the buffalo bisons game if you were so inclined uh, they play at seven o'clock tonight against rochester and they have one of the hottest hitters in all of the international league ernie clement he joins us now ernie good morning how are you man What's going on, Blake? How we doing? Uh, not as well as you. 11-game hit streak, seven of those multi-hit games. Uh, another couple hits for you yesterday. What's going on, man? Just enjoying it, man. It's just good to be playing ball. And, um, you know, we have a really good group in Buffalo, so we're just having fun. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just it's been good to, uh, to play some ball with the boys. Uh, you also had Bo Bichette down there the last couple days. He's on first on Wednesday. You come up to the plate. Do they kind of tell you, like, hey, we need to see Bo, you know, turn in the bases, run him out. We need you to hit a double here to make sure he's good to go first to home. Is that kind of your instruction there? <laughs> well, yeah. You know, I, we got to make sure that knee's working well. So, um, you know, I, I had I had to hit him in. I had to hit him in, see if, he, see if his wheels are working. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's been, it's, it's been cool. Uh, having him around dude it's uh it's fun to watch him work his old man was with him too um so watching him work and and you know prepare is, is really big for for guys like me uh and and a lot of the younger guys getting to watch him is it's it's, it's really special he's a, he's a heck of a player so obviously the the results were the results he was very good uh in those two tune-up games and will join the jays at some point in this series in cincinnati uh, but you mentioned cool to watch him cool to watch uh his father dante bichette to be around um what is that presence like when a, a not just a player comes down to rehab but a star level player who has you know the kind of reputation for work ethic that bo bichette has what what does that do for you guys in that locker room that's so huge. That's so huge. Uh, like I said, the, for the younger guys to to be able to watch him work and prepare and, and then, you know, get after it in, in the game is, is big, man, because um, that's, a, that's a generational talent. It's, it's, it's really special to watch. And um, even for me, I, I've, I've been in the big leagues for a couple of years and still, and, and he's younger than I am, but to watch him work and play it. It's incredible, man. It's, it's, it's really special. So you have been in the majors a, a couple of times, including with this Blue Jays team this year. I, I kind of tongue-in-cheek introduced you as one of the hottest hitters in the International League, but you're hitting 353. You've got an OPS up around 1,000. Um, you know, I, I know you know where your spot is and, and how things work roster-wise and things like that, but how has this been for you to have the most success you've had offensively at the triple-a level really at any minor league level um you know balancing the focus on the work and, and also kind of waiting for your turn at the next level what's that been like for you yeah i mean any anytime i get a chance up there i've, I've just tried to go in and, and help the team win as best i can uh you know it's, it hasn't been a ton of opportunity but just to get up there it has been awesome because that's a, that's a really good group they have and uh you know it's they've had a couple injuries here and there where I've gotten to go up and, and, you know, kind of see how they operate. And, you know, if anything happens, I'll be ready to go. Uh, but, 
it, this this Toronto organization has been really cool. They've been really good to me to to give me this opportunity. Uh, you know, when I when I signed with them, I just I just really wanted to play. Like the last couple of years, I've been you know kind of riding the bench, and um, you know it's it's a, it's a really tough role, but. I, I really just wanted to play, and, and they've let me. In the beginning of the year, I, I got a really good opportunity to play here in here in Buffalo, and you know I've kind of just ran with it. And you know, fortunately, they gave me an opportunity up at the big league level to to at least just go up there and and hang with the guys. And you know, anytime anytime I get in there, I'm just going to try to help the team win. And so you've said you know part of the success is just having fun with it. Part of it is staying ready and the extra playing time. But from a more like working on your game standpoint, what do you think has has clicked for you this year offensively to to lead to the results you've had down there? Yeah, I, I've I busted my tail this off season working and and you know kind of cleaning up some things because my offense has been pretty brutal the last couple of years. <laughs> like I was kind of known as like a, a defensive guy and. Um, you know, I, I knew I knew what I was capable of uh, as a plate. So um, I just cleaned some things up. My, my intent is, is changed completely. I'm I'm just really really focused on on my approach, and um, I have I haven't strayed away from from what I know I need to do at the, at the plate. So it's it's just been a really consistent approach, and you know, just being able to play every day is at least down in AAA playing every day has, has been huge and. Um, I, I do have to credit the, a lot of the coaching staff that, that we work with. Uh, Matt Haig and in um, AAA has been huge for me. And um, when I was up in the, the big leagues, Hunter Mentz, we, we've done a lot of good work together too. So, um, you know, that, the staff that they have has been pretty awesome. And I mean, hey, the the results for you position players on the Buffalo roster speak for themselves. A lot of guys hitting pretty well down there. Um, Ernie, everyone knows your your defense as well. I got to ask, though, now that we've seen it from him, your former teammate, Jordan Luplo, which of you guys is a better pitcher? <laughs> Dude, the, the Kimbrel impression he did the other night was hysterical. I love it. Um, I don't know. I, he definitely has a better arm than me, but I, I had the knuckleball working uh, a couple times, so. Um, you know, I think we'll, we'll have to have a couple more outings to, to determine who's better. Yeah. His, uh, the chicken wing out at the side was, uh, was pretty amusing. Um, so in terms of, you know, differences between AAA and major league baseball, I got to talk to Davis Schneider about this uh, a little bit the other day. How have you felt about the implementation of the, the ABS system, the automated balls and strikes? Uh, I know a couple days a week, you guys have the auto system a couple days a week. There's the challenge system. And then if you come up to the majors, it's, the, the traditional style. Um, do you like those changes? Do, do you dislike those changes? How, how do you feel about the, the ABS and challenge stuff? Well, I, I'm, I'm kind of a baseball purist. Um, I, I just, I love the game and I think it's, it's been pretty perfect, but um, a lot of the changes that they've made in triple A have, have actually benefited the hitters. So I, I really can't complain. I mean, this is my best offensive season and I think the ABS is, has helped a lot of guys. I mean, it forces the pitchers to really come into the zone, and there's really no nibbling around because you know if it's if it's off the plate, you're not. It's not a strike. So um, it really forces pitchers to to attack you, and especially guys like Davis too. He's he's taking full advantage of that. I mean, it, it's been so cool to watch him, and you know, it's, he's he's such a good guy. I, I couldn't be more happy for him, and he, he's been absolutely killing it um, in Toronto. So, uh, the, but the ABS is great. I. I for hitters, at least. I know the pitchers hate it. <laughs> I'd imagine the catchers hate it, too. I don't know how much you've talked to Berman or Heineman about it or whatever, but there are a lot of catchers who make their you know career off of being good defensive catchers. I'd imagine that takes some of that element out of the game for them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Those guys, uh, 
it, I mean, it kind of takes a little bit of stress off of them. If it's, you know, if it's the ABS, they don't have to, like, really frame the ball. Um, but at the same time, it's like that, that's, that's, a, that's a, a big way guys make money and, and have had, they made a career out of it. So um, it is really interesting to see what they're going to do moving forward. But um, it, it's helped the hitters a lot, no doubt. Um, so you grew up in Rochester. I know you played some hockey when you were younger as well. Uh, I know you said you chose the Toronto organization in part because of playing time and things like that, but has the Toronto organization and, and Buffalo being fairly close to home in Rochester, has this felt like a pretty good fit for you? Yeah, it's been, it's been awesome, man. I, the, the opportunity they gave me has been, has been incredible. And um, to be, to be close to home and, you know, get to see my family once in a while has been huge. Um, I was in Cleveland before, so that wasn't crazy far, but I mean, it's still a four hour drive from Rochester and, you know, to, to be an hour away from home, I've been able to go back and, and stay with my grandma on the off days. And, uh, it's just, it's been, it's been perfect. Honestly, I, I, I've really, really enjoyed my time with these guys. Have you started to look at the schedule of like, Oh, what time do we play on, on a day? The bills play as well. I know you're a big bills guy. <laughs> You know, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to it, man. That that first Monday night game against the Jets. You know, I'll be we'll, we'll have an off day on Monday if, if I'm here in Buffalo, and um, we'll we'll have a couple of the boys. We'll we'll go watch the game somewhere, and and, and I'll get a little rowdy, maybe jump through a table or something. How are you feeling about the Bills heading into this season? This is a a different AFC East the this last little while. I know, I love it. I love it. It's a huge test. Um, I just, I think we're finally going to get help. We're going to be healthy. Von Miller's back. Um, Micah Hyde's back. We, we got a, uh, we got a good group, man. I, I think they're going to, I think they're going to make their run this year. This is it. <laughs> I, I, uh, I hope you're right. I hope it's a, a Jaguars bills, AFC championship. <laughs> and that's as far as the bills need to go. Uh, Ernie, I also heard you're, you're quite the golfer. Is my reporting accurate here? I, I love it. I love it. I'm a big golfer. I go as much as I can. Are you the best of the the like guys in the system with Buffalo or Toronto that you'll golf with? Uh, so far, I I think uh, West Harsons beat me, mm-hmm. and Witt has beaten me before. So those two guys are, are very very good, uh, very very good golfers. But I, I would I would bet on myself on on the links with anybody. Wit, uh, yeah, Wit strikes me as the type of guy who would be uh, a, just a natural golfer. There, uh, Ernie. Last one before I let you go here. I know you had mentioned. Uh, I'll take it back to baseball just for a second. I know you'd mentioned you know watching what Davis Schneider's doing, being happy for him up at the major league level. Uh, I know you're just 27. You you've got a long career ahead of you still, but you it does look like from the makeup of that Buffalo team that you're also in a little bit of a, a leadership role. There are a lot of young guys there being asked to bounce around the diamond and try new positions, something you've done a lot of in your career. Um, how has that been for you to kind of take on more of a, a leadership role, even though you yourself are still on the younger side? I, I've really enjoyed it, actually. I, uh, I had some really, really good veterans in, in Cleveland, so I, I guess learned from them on how to, how to, how to take the reins and, and you know, help, help the young guys. And um, I, I've taken a lot of pride in, in um, the way that we play the game in Buffalo, I, I want to make sure that these guys know that it's, it's just important to, to help the team win. And at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. Like everybody wants their numbers, but if you have that team approach, it, that the numbers take care of themselves. And um, I, I really do. I, I'm really impressed with the guys, uh, the young guys that have come up and, and, you know, Addison Barger, Elvis Martinez, those guys are, I mean, that, that's, those are two of the most talented baseball players I've ever seen. And, um, you know, I'm really, I'm really impressed with the way they handle themselves and, um, so far, it's just been it's been awesome. I I love the group in Buffalo. 
Martinez one of the more impressive batting practice shows you've seen a young guy put on? <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable, man. It's unbelievable. He hits balls. I don't hit balls half as far as him. It's, it's incredible. Uh, all right. Uh, Ernie Clement, uh, thanks so much for taking the time out this morning, man. Stay hot, and uh, good luck with the series this weekend. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Ernie Clement, Buffalo Bisons and uh, Toronto Blue Jay on the 40-man still. Probably see him again at some point here as the Jays do uh, a whole lot of roster shuffling down the stretch here. We are expecting Kevin Kiermeyer and Trevor Richards back at some point uh, today. Probably we're expecting Bo Bichette back tomorrow. So there's going to be some roster juggling here. Those Buffalo Bisons then as a product of that, will get some reinforcements down. They're not quite the reinforcement of having Bo Bichette the last couple of days, uh, but they'll have a, an extra body or two in the next little bit. We're not entirely sure what that's going to uh, look like, but we know more pieces are coming back than we'd expect Matt Chabon and Danny Jansen uh, to be good to go today as well as the Jays open a three-game set down in Cincinnati. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Schulman, voice of the Blue Jays, every night except tonight, uh, will join us and uh, help us set this series up. Maybe talk a little Canada basketball as well. Dan Schulman next as Jays Talk Plus continues on the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. Not a lot of songs with Cincinnati in the name world. Not a lot of Cincinnati artists either. You can only play Hawthorne Heights so many times. Uh, so we go to the distillers there to take us down to Cincinnati. Already in Cincinnati is our next guest. It's the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. It's the voice of the Canadian senior men's basketball team when the World Cup gets underway next Friday on Sportsnet. It's Dan Schulman. Dan, good morning. Good morning. One, may I offer up a mild correction right off the top? Sure. I'm not in Cincinnati. Oh, you're not there yet? Uh, no, the game is on Apple tonight, so we don't start working till tomorrow night, so I'm flying in this evening. That much I knew. I just thought you would be there already. Uh, I guess that answers one of my questions. What do you do with an <laughs> off night in Cincinnati? Uh, you, you don't. spend it in Toronto. You take the off night in Toronto <laughs> uh, instead. Uh, okay, yeah. so obviously you, the biggest challenge for you today then is making sure you get Canada's last tune-up game against the Dominican Republic in before you hit the airport right. you're going to be able to thread that needle so this is tricky uh i wise you and i texted and, and you know i watched it yesterday today not so much because my flight um i think the flight's at 6:25 and the game's at 3:30 so uh, i will try to watch the first half before i get going but my 4-year-old comes home from camp at 3:30 and daddy's leaving mm. for a week so it's going to be a little bit difficult if you find any way of uh, if courtside 1891 archives games, that would be awesome. But if not, I know YouTube has like the 10-minute highlight pack that I can get tonight. So uh, I'll get what I can out of it. I can also just send you all of my thoughts. I'll, I will be here at the Sportsnet <laughs> okay. building prepping for I'm doing the call this weekend with Ben Schulman. Uh, so I will be uh, I will be ready to go. You'll get all my thoughts. I, I also think it's probably the right game to miss because I'd imagine this is the first exhibition where they play some of the, the depth guys on a back-to-back -back and things like that. Um, but right. Dan, the, the World Cup 
Cup does get underway Friday, and we're going to mostly talk about Blue Jays, but you're going to be on the call for uh, all of the World Cup games. The opener is August 25th, 9.30 a.m. Eastern here on Sportsnet. So, sorry, you're going head-to-head with Jays Talk Plus that day. Don't know what the ratings will be like. Um, but how are you feeling uh, about Canada in general heading into that tournament, one of the biggest tournaments ever for Canadian basketball? Yeah, I, I mean, the last two games, you know, beating Germany in overtime in Germany, beating Spain in overtime in Spain, uh, those are encouraging. As you and I talked about, I don't think, like Spain with Pau Gasol and Marc Gasol and Ricky Rubio, that's best in the world type of stuff. Um, Spain's still very good, but I don't think this is the strongest uh, team we've seen from Spain. Germany looks very good, too. So these are two encouraging results. Um, for Canada, and I don't know how you felt. I didn't think Canada played its best game yesterday. Like, um, some things went great. Uh, Powell was great. Olenek was great. You know, Shea scored it, scored when they needed him. RJ, like, just, you know, went into RJ beast mode a couple of times and, and did his stuff. But the second unit kind of let Spain back into the game in the second quarter. Canada turned it over more than they should have. Uh, got out-rebounded by a smaller team. And they still won. So if, if your glass half full, there's a lot of encouraging stuff here. Um, I, I still think that the two issues they have going into the World Cup kind of still exist. And they've had some very good shooting games. But can they depend on having a good three-point night? Don't know uh, if you can depend on it every night. And they are not they're, they're not small up front. They're kind of thin up front. You know, they've got a Linick and Powell. And then Zach Eady got some run yesterday. I think Kyle Alexander is going to get those minutes today. I think Alexander will be the primary backup big. And then they're playing Melvin Edgem, who I love, and I'm sure you love. Oh, yeah. But, but he's like, and he's got a million things going for him. He's a great FIBA player, but he's an undersized four, right? He's a scrappy, hardworking four, but he's an undersized guy. So they're a little thin up front. Um, but they've got a shot. Um, you know, for people who don't know, they're going to play France in their first game. And very, very, very likely, assuming they make it to the second round, they would play Spain there. Um, in the simplest terms, they probably have to win one of those two games to get to the quarterfinals, um, which means going four and one in their first five games. And if they get to the quarters, they're in an excellent spot to qualify for the Olympics. So I wish they were playing France third, not first. I wish they could kind of build up to that game. Um, but France is missing a couple of its key players as well, like everybody is, and, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be a heck of a test. But having watched as much as I can of these games uh, over the last ten days or so, these friendlies, there's no question they're getting better. There's no question they're becoming a little bit more cohesive, and and you know you can you can see the team identity kind of building from game to game. And it doesn't seem like anyone's playing with restrictions or anything like that in terms of, right. of minutes. Obviously, Jamal Murray out. Melvin Edgem rolled his right ankle yesterday. We'll see what the update is on that. But really, the only load management we have to worry about is Dan Schulman trying to juggle Canada games. And you're doing yeah. the Jays games still while they're at home. But when the Jays hit the road, you'll just be doing the, the World Cup. Is that accurate? Right. So, as, as you know, I like I love the Canada basketball stuff and try to do it. And the, what helps me here is that the World Cup's on the other side of the earth. Mm -hmm. So the games are in the morning. So I went to one of our bosses about three months ago, and I said, okay, here's the schedule. This is when the games are. This is when the Jays games are. So it's it's crazy for a few days. Um, I think Friday I have Canada at 9.30 in the morning and the Jays at night. Saturday Canada doesn't play, so it's the Jays in the afternoon. 
Sunday, I have Canada at 5.45 in the morning. Ooh. I think the, Le- the Lebanon game is second, right, I believe? Yes. Uh, so Canada at 5.45 in the morning because we're doing them – we're doing the World Cup games from where you are, from a studio in Toronto. So Canada at 5.45, and then the Blue Jays at 1.30. And then uh, I think that's when the uh, – and then Tuesday I double up again, I think. The Blue Jays go on the row at the – yeah, so Tuesday I've got another like 9.30 a.m. Canada, 7 p.m. Blue Jays. So it's nice. It's not like 2 in the morning. It's 5.45 or 9.30 and then when the Blue Jays go on the road to Colorado and Oakland, I won't be doing those games. I'm off for that six-game trip, just Canada. And then the Blue Jays come back home again, and if, if things are going well for Canada, they'll still be playing, and I'll do some double duty, d- double duty again. But obviously we don't know how that'll sort itself out. It depends on how they do. And that's one of those ones. If they're still in it, well, hey, fatigue, go away. Canada Canada's in the, the quarters and the semis right. and the finals of the World Cup. Uh, well, we appreciate the, the hustle, Dan, and looking forward to you on those calls, even if I... Uh, the Friday opener, a couple of these are I'm going to be on air during. That's going to be really interesting to see if I can stick to baseball while I've got the Canada game on a TV. Uh, so let's turn to baseball. Jays are in Cincinnati this weekend. You will be there eventually uh, for Saturday and Sunday's games. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds have been one of the most fun teams in baseball this year. They're young. They're incredibly fast. They've got a guy in Joey Votto who we all know and love and are fond of. Uh, what are you most looking forward to about getting a close look at the Cincinnati Reds club. Well, the first thing I'm looking forward to is just going back to that town and going to that ballpark. I don't think I've been there in about seven or eight years, and I used to go there uh, a lot. I'm so old. I remember when the tr- when the traditional baseball opener every single year was a day game in Cincinnati, um, and I would often do that game for ESPN, and that like that was the real opening for the baseball season. So, kind of always have a little soft spot in my heart for uh, for Cincinnati baseball, I guess, because of the tradition. Like you said, they've got a lot of exciting players, a lot of guys who, quite frankly, most or many, uh, you know, Blue Jay fans as they're watching games this weekend, um, won't know who they are, won't have heard of Matt McClain or Spencer Steer, probably have heard of Ellie De La Cruz because he came up, kind of set the world on fire. He has cooled off some, but you're right. They're young, talented, athletic. Um, they're pitching probably not quite as, as strong as the potential they have on the offensive side. So hopefully the blue Jays can get the bats going, but it's a team that like six weeks ago was playing great, probably not playing quite as great um, as they were before, but it's a good team. And it's a team fighting, fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, you know, they had like a five or six game losing streak recently, and they kind of been bouncing around win loss, win loss since then. Um, but they're playing for something. So, you know, I think some people on the surface go, Oh, Cincinnati, small market team, not a factor. They're more of a factor, and they're going to be more of a factor next year and the year and the year after that. But hopefully um, tonight the Blue Jays will have Kevin Kiermeyer, Matt Chapman, Trevor Richards, and Bo Bichette all there. I don't know that for sure. I'm basically 100% sure that Kiermeyer and Richards will be there. We'll see if Chapman is able to go, and Danny Jansen too. Hopefully Jansen's able to go. Like that's potentially five guys, three of whom are on the IL, two of whom – weren't but just didn't play the last couple of days that's five guys who could be back on this team and to me that feels like kind of the unofficial official okay it's go time let's go it's time to you know it's time to play as as well as you can and try to get rid of those seattle mariners because seattle's got an easier schedule and they've got and they will have the tiebreaker it's not official but they will have the tiebreaker 
over the Blue Jays. So the Blue Jays got to put them in the rearview mirror a little bit. And unless Bo Bichette misspoke after the Bisons game last night or, or the plan has changed, uh, he made it seem as if he'll return Saturday. He'll be with the team yeah. today, but but activated Saturday. So there will be a cascade of roster moves here. Um, Dan, before, I, I do want to get your take on, on those. But with respect to the Reds, they have stolen more bases so far this season than, and we're only three quarters of the way in, than any team has done over a full season since back in 2016. Now, the Blue Jays pitching staff and catch group have allowed stolen bases at a top 10 rate this season you have to get on base to be able to steal so first line of defense is the pitchers here um, but does that is that on your radar as we look at a potential Danny Jansen return Alejandro Kirk and and then yeah the pitchers carry uh carry a part of this as well the Jays have been a team that some teams have tried to pick on 100 percent. it's it's a real thing there have been a couple of games this year I think Tampa Bay did it to the Blue Jays once early and Cleveland in the last game of that series, whenever it was almost two weeks ago now back in Cleveland, like clearly their game plan was we're not hitting. If anybody gets on, let's go. And I expect the Reds to do that. And that is a challenge for Danny Jansen or Alejandro Kirk and the pitchers. Um, The guys they have going Barrios, Bassett and Ryu, I think in particular, and I don't know Barrios' numbers off the top of my head, but I think in particular, Barrios and Ryu would probably be a little bit tougher to run on. We know Kevin Gosman has struggled with that. He is not pitching uh, in that series, but without question, it'll be a focal point in that meeting today that um, that Pete Walker and company have with the pitchers and catchers going into this series. Because, um, you know, if a walk is a double or an infield hit is a double, uh, it's a problem. And, and I think it can really kind of mushroom psychologically on a pitcher and catcher, too. Now your attention is diverted, you know, from the most important thing, which is the guy at the plate. And it just seems like it's like a revolving door sometimes, you know, where, where get a guy on and all of a sudden he's at second base. So uh, it is a big thing. They've got like seven. It's not like two guys have stolen all their bases, too. It's like seven guys. So, you know, up and down the lineup, again, they're a young athletic team. And uh, I'm sure the Blue Jay coaches will uh, have a lot of information on how the Blue Jays have to try to defend them this weekend. That's going to be a a good challenge and an interesting one. And hey, get you ready. Everything right now is about, sure, keeping Mariners at arm's length, but also getting you ready for the playoffs. And if that's something an opponent's going to try to pick at, it's good to get uh, some reps in against it now. Uh, To circle back to players being activated. So we're going to see Kevin Kiermaier and Bobachette and Trevor Richards at some point. Uh, this weekend series. I think on the pitching side, it's pretty, pretty easy to figure it out. It's one of Jay Jackson or Bowden Francis going down. Maybe yep. it's Jay Jackson because you prefer the the extra length in an emergency that Francis gives you. Um, on the hitter side, though, it, it's more open to debate. You have Nathan Lucas and Davis Schneider who are kind of the last two in. You also have Santiago Espinal who has been playing more but hasn't been particularly effective on either side of the ball. Had a key error the other day. Um, Do you have a a lean on who you think either will or or what you would do in that situation with with these last couple guys on the bench? Because even when we look ahead to roster expansion, only one of those guys would be coming back up. So someone is going to be on the outside looking in here. Right. So I think Lucas is kind of the obvious choice for Kiermaier, just outfielder for outfielder. Um, when Bichette comes back, honestly, I think it could go any one of three ways. Um, they could send Davis Schneider back down because his playing time has kind of got away, gone away recently. And the Blue Jays don't see many left-handed starting pitchers. They will see one on Saturday uh, for Cincinnati, but they don't see a lot of lefties. And the way Kevin Biggio is playing right now, 
he's going to start, I think, against righties at, at second base. Um, you know, but the the other interesting part is Kiermaier coming back, pushes Varsho to left, brings Merrifield back into the infield. You, you know, everything, as you know, there's a domino effect here. Everything gets more crowded. But I think Lucas is the obvious choice for Kiermaier, for Bichette. They could send Schneider down. They could send Espinal down. They could release DeYoung. I think they could do any one of those three. Honestly, I do not have a feel. I know we all know this organization doesn't like to give up assets. So maybe the easiest move is to send Schneider down. You keep DeYoung as a backup shortstop. Um, but do you want Schneider's pop potential as a pinch hitter coming off the bench? Like if, if Varsho starts against a, a righty and a tough lefty reliever comes in the seventh inning, is Schneider the guy you want as a pinch hitter, or do you want DeYoung's ability to play shortstop, get Bo out of a game, DH Bo, that sort of thing? Honestly, I don't have a feel. But let me throw, just for fun, let me throw one little wrinkle into this. Last night, Arelvis Martinez, who's handling himself pretty well at AAA, at the age of 21, played second base for the first mm. time in his, in his professional career. As I'm sitting there watching Canada, I'm not just, I'm, I'm multitasking and... Uh, went on to the Buffalo, you know, saw the Buffalo lineup on Twitter and then looked at the box score later. He's been a third baseman shortstop his whole career. Not once had he ever played second base in the Blue Jays system until last night. Um, it might mean nothing. It might mean something. Maybe they're testing him out there, and maybe he's got a chance to be that one position player who gets called up um, in September because, he's, as we all know, he's got pop. So I, I think they're trying to – you know, cover their bases, no pun intended, in, in as many ways as they can. But um, you're right. The Bichette move will be fascinating. What what they do uh, in order to, I mean, they're going to get him back on the roster, but who goes down? And, and I think you could make a case for a number of different ways it could go. And the Aurelvis at second base thing is fascinating. The Buffalo Bison's box scores are hilarious to watch day to day because everyone, yeah. they're just pulling positions out of a hat. We've got Ernie Clement, who's a plus defensive shortstop playing first base because, hey, Addison Barger needs a shortstop rep today. Spencer Horwitz experiment in the outfield is a, is a bit of an entertaining one. It's uh, it's all over the place. Um, but this is the thing. And, and I wonder, too, with the Martinez thing, you look ahead to next year while well, the third baseman and the second baseman are, are both free agents. So um, maybe that just opens up some flexibility for you there as well. Uh, Dan Schulman, I know I got to let you go. Our show's almost over. You've got a Canada game and a child and a flight to get ready for. Uh, Thanks so much for taking the time out. All right, Blake. Have fun tonight. Dan Schulman, voice of the Toronto Blue Jays on Sportsnet. We'll have the call for you Saturday and Sunday from Cincinnati. Not tonight because tonight is an Apple TV Plus game. And as a reminder, Dan Schulman will also be the voice of your Canadian senior men's basketball team when the FIBA World Cup officially gets underway next Friday, uh, Canada's opener at 9.30 a.m. on Friday, August 25th. He'll be on the call with Alvin Williams. Uh, Arash Madani will be down there in Jakarta, I believe, for for sideline updates and in-game reporting. Uh, We will have Danielle Michaud, Sherman Hamilton, and Michael Grange in the studio here in Toronto as well. So we'll have you covered. The Canada will play Sunday, Tuesday, or Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, in the group stage, and then if they make it on, they would uh, play two games in a crossover stage. Then we get to the round of 16. And if you are, look, I I get a little frustrated sometimes at at the World Cup being treated as strictly an Olympic qualifier. The World Cup's a bigger tournament. It's harder to win. A lot of countries care as much about it as the Olympics. Um, FIBA, in their FIBA rankings, weights the World Cup more heavily than the Olympics. 
part of that is just FIBA politics and things like that. Um, but if all you care about is the Olympic qualification, uh, it's worth keeping in mind too that the World Cup, you will continue to play games all the way to the end because they classify everyone 1 to 32 because if Canada you know, makes the round of 16 and doesn't make the round of eight and the Dominican Republic are in the same spot, whether you come ninth or 11th actually matters. And that determines who makes it on to the Olympics. So a lot on the line in that tournament. And Dan Schulman will be the voice of those Canada teams, which would be really, really cool. He will not be the voice of the Jays tonight. It's on Apple TV plus. If you want to listen on the radio instead, it's myself and Ben Schulman on the call. And as a reminder, if you want to do both, on those Apple TV Plus broadcasts, hey, I really enjoyed talking to Ryan Spielberg's earlier. Uh, I like the Apple TV Plus broadcast, but you can also flip her over and listen to myself and Ben Schulman instead. It's Jose Barrios against Brett Kennedy tonight. It's a 640 first pitch. So keep that on your radar. Blair and Barker will be 5 to 630. And then Ben Schulman and I will take over. Uh, Brent Gunning and Sam McKee coming up next. Thanks to Ernie Clement, LA Knight. Ben Nicholson-Smith, Dan Schulman, and Ryan Spielbergs for coming on. Thanks to Jeff, Lance, and Jennifer behind the glass. Talk to you Monday.